0: We give you all the praise and the glory and honor for your wonderful spirit and presence. I pray your blessing, Lord, over the word of God this morning as we begin to open it up, that you would bless it, that you would minister to each and every heart and life. And God, stir us tonight, this morning, rather, Lord, stir us that the spirit of God would flow through us, that we would fulfill the great commission to reach the lost, And Father, let us be, Lord, that witness unto this world that needs to know you so bad, so greatly. Father, we ask you for your blessing over this word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you this morning for your giving. We are very much in tune to the word of God, and we know that he will bless because of the faithfulness and sacrifice of giving unto uh, the work of God and unto him in faithfulness. I encourage you, be faithful. I've found him faithful in every area of my life, and he calls us to be faithful too, amen? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 4. The book of Acts chapter 4. I'm going to read one portion of scripture, and then I'm going to read a short portion over in the book of Romans in chapter 10. But in Acts chapter 4, this is what it says. Starting with verse 1. It said, and as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. You imagine a people that didn't even get along or unified against what God's doing. I want you to think about it. If there's one thing the devil knows, he knows that he can't do anything unless he has all of his cohorts unified that ought to tell you something right now. Well, amen. Unity is something that is a universal law. Law of physics will tell you that. If you have a chain that's linked together, it has all of that, connecti- that connection there, and that's where you have a strength in that unity. But the Bible says, That they came upon them, the religious, the Sadducees, the priests, those of the temple, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Can you imagine that? There's people that would actually rather you be dead in your sins and trespasses than live in resurrected life. I've had people say, I liked them better whenever they weren't serving God. I said, you like the old person? You like the drug addict? You like the you know, the, the, the person that didn't know how to control their temper, temper and anger? Do you, you like that person, but but I can tell you the devil hates life. Are y'all here this morning? And it says, And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now even Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. I'm telling you, the fastest growing church was in the book of Acts. And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and elders and scribes and 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 and, and high the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, the disciples there that were preaching the resurrection of Christ, they asked, by what power or by what name you have done this? Oh, what a question to ask. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner, which, by the way, he didn't say this, but was a, is a stumbling block of offense to those that refuse to believe. He said, neither is there salvation in any other. There's not 15 ways to heaven. There's not 15 ways to get to eternity. There's only one way. Jesus is the way that's why the religions and the cults uh, of this world and 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 governments hate uh, for the most part those that are anti-god they come against Christianity so hard because we preach he is the only way. There is no other name. There is salvation. In, there is there. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, when they when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marvelled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. That is an awesome thing that you've been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? What are we going to do with them? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it but that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And then one short portion. Over in Romans chapter 10 A very familiar passage of scripture Very short uh, snippet here of scripture But it says in chapter 10 verse, uh, verse ten thirteen. It's This is what it says For whosoever, Romans ten thirteen, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved What do you have to do to be saved? Call upon the name of the Lord Call upon the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things." I want to preach to you today, and I've already prayed over the Word of God and this uh, message. I want to preach to you a thought entitled, uh, The Most Valuable Men... On the earth, and you could put person, or because it's not just men, but it's women that make up the body of Christ. God looks at us, and he 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 doesn't see anything but his son. He doesn't see he doesn't see male or female. He just sees us, a man in Christ. He looks at us and in uh, the same way, and so. But I'm preaching this thought: the most valuable people. On the earth, there is a phrase that I have held dear in my Christian life. It is actually my mission statement, and this is what it is. And I believe I learned it from Brother Clendenen, but he said something that registers, and I always go back to it as my uh, mission statement. And it is that the one thing that the Christian is to be: we are to know God, and we are to make Him known. We are to know Christ and we are to make him known. That sums up our purpose upon this earth. To know Christ and to make him known. Jesus has a body. He has a company of redeemed people. And they're called the church. They're called the Ecclesia. They're called the very body of Christ and the fellowship of the saints of God. But we read this and and preaching this today, the church is the most valuable thing upon this earth because they preach the very answer, the very remedy to man's malady of sin and the fall of man and the depravity of man. The answer is in Christ. We should have did that song this morning Jesus is the answer for the world today. But Jesus has a body. He has a company of redeemed people called the church. And that is his method and plan to reach the lost and disciple its converts. They must preach the gospel. We must preach the gospel and go and make disciples. That's what we're called to do. But he chooses to use his vessels, you and I today. And Paul phrased it even more eloquently when he said we have this treasure in earthen vessels that's what he said the very treasure in you the treasure of heaven that was crucified is the treasure that's within you and I and we have this treasure in an earthen vessel it tells us that he is the precious eternal treasure in contents within us and we are the vessel that he uses did you know that you are a vessel today do you know that you can be a vessel of dishonor or a vessel of honor. I want to be a vessel of honor and I pray that I am a vessel of honor. I want to house the very presence of God, the very essence of God, the very life of God and and pour it out to other people. That is very symbolic whenever Jesus turned the water into wine. That was a miraculous thing. That was a miraculous substance. People you know they like to make that just wine. I can tell you that was as miraculous and that was as as, as eternal as the manna that fell from heaven. Are you hearing me? That that which was t- turned water into wine, that wasn't just like what you see here upon this earth. It was something that was eternal. It was something that was miraculous. It was a substance inside those vessels because he pours into us and what comes out is Christ. It's an awesome thing to see this great treasure that we have in our lives. And church, we are the most valuable thing upon this earth. Earth, because we house the very life of God. That tells us a lot about the treasure within us. It tells us how valuable we are to God and to the salvation of lost souls. Think about it. Has, was everybody sitting in this room, somebody told you about God? Somebody shared with you about Jesus? Somebody shared in Sunday school? Somebody shared on the job? Somebody shared in your life? A grandparent, a parent, a brother, a sister? Somebody shared with you You wouldn't be here if they hadn't shared with you. In this text in Acts chapter 4, we have the dilemma that the priest and the religious leaders had to contend with. I can tell you, we're in a warfare because the enemy's against us. But I can tell you, he's in a warfare too. Because if the church will rise up and just be who they're called to be and begin to preach the gospel, I can tell you the power of God is greater than the power of the enemy. Do you hear me? I know that the it seems like the church world is making the devil so powerful. But we serve the almighty God. Amen. Who said with the very finger of God, I cast out devils. And he said if you see me with the finger of God, cast out devils. You've got to know that the kingdom of heaven has come unto you. Church, today we serve a mighty and a powerful God and he dwells within us. Just remember that. Just remember that. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God, mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm excited this morning. But in this this text in chapter four, you have the dilemma that the priest and the religious leaders had to contend with. You know, not everybody that is religious is holy and is righteous and is pure and is loving. Are you hearing me? Jesus said you're a generation of vipers. You're whited sepulchers. In other words, oh my goodness, you all got quiet on me. You're white in sepulchers. He said, you've got respectable sin. People look at you and they think, well, you know, they're not doing the, the really, really bad things upon this earth. But church, I've come to tell you that there's only one distinct personality. And it is, amen, the very life of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, the acceptance of God. That's what's going to win people in this hour, in this dark, dark, dark hour. Hallelujah. So the religious had a dilemma. The priest had a dilemma, they had to contend with these people that were were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and the cross and the death, the birth, the death, the resurrection and the life of God. They said it's spreading like fire, of course it was, because it was a fire of the Holy Ghost. They were full of the Holy Ghost with the tongue of fire and they were speaking with the power to communicate in a way that had never been done before. And they had a problem. They said, they're stealing people from our church. I can tell you, you don't have to beg anybody to come to life. Let me say it again. You don't have to beg people to come to the life of God, the presence of God. When you feel the presence and the Spirit of God, you come running to that. A known beggar, a known crippled, was just miraculously healed. They could say nothing against it in verse 14. In verse 16, they could not deny it. That is the exact language. They could say nothing against it. They could not refute it. They could not deny it. This is the beauty of salvation and the power of a resurrected Savior. It is irrefutable. It is undeniable. And it leaves the naysayers speechless. How can God take a dirty, rotten, ranked sinner like me and change him and make him brand new and a new creature in Christ? I can't tell you how he does it, but I know that he does. Because there's things that I could never change. I could never overcome. I could never see broken in my life. But I'm telling you today, they're broken. I've come to tell you this, the dominion of sin is broken. The chains are broken. The Spirit of God has come in and I have life like I've never had life before. Oh, I remember Brother Clinton in preaching and how he... He worked for an oil rig, and I'd love to share his stories because he was, I'm telling you, the worst of sinners. He, he said, I'm telling you, I was the worst of sinners. <laughs> he was a rough man. He was a, he was a very rigid man, very hard man. Even as a preacher of the gospel, he had love, but he was very militant and very rigid because he was a Marine, and he was in World War II, so he wasn't just one of these, you know, that never went to combat, and if that's you today, I'm not criticizing you. I'm just telling you, he was one that not only went through the Marine Corps, But fought in the war Fought in it And came home Alive Praise God But he got born again He got born again He said before I got saved I was an alcoholic I drank all the time I drank every day I drank every night When I was in the military He said there was a sally in every port That's what sinners do. They live that way. They don't surrender their life to the Lord. So he got born again, though. He said they started preaching to us that we need to give 10%. His wife thanked the pastor. So I just want to thank you. We went from 40% to 10%. Said he spent 40% in the bar. But he got born again. He's not the same person. And I remember him sharing that, he said, I never wanted my kids to see the old man that I was. I wanted them to see the new creature in Christ. I wanted them to see somebody different. And God began to convict him, began to deal with him. God began to save him, begin to change him. But he said, I was working on that oral rig as a as a preacher, but yet had to work full time. You know, at that time, he wasn't pastoring. He was just evangelizing. He said, we went to church every night. If we, if we went to every re- revival that we could go to, if there was a revival 25 miles away, we went to it. He said, we were there. We were in the house of God. He said, my wife and I loved God. She said, we just just praise. He said we went to the dead churches He said they were at least preaching truth But we even went there we'd weep He said it'd be dead as dry Last year's bird nest but we'd weep Hearing the word of God He said but there was a man Out there sleeping On that oil rig In a chair and He said you can't let them things Go you make a mistake He said you you've created a serious problem And he said, he's sitting there asleep at the wheel. And he said, I got so mad at him as a Christian. He was a Christian, born again Christian. He said, I went over there and he said, I kicked his chair out from underneath him. And I told him, you get up and get to, wake up and get to work. He said, he stood up, he was his boss and he walked away. And he felt so guilty and so convicted. And he said, the devil told him, you ain't right with God. Look at you! You're not right with God. He said. I begin to weep, and I said, "God, how can I be saved and redeemed?" He said, "Just remember this: you never felt guilty ever in your life till this day." Oh! Satan always tells you you're saved when you're not, and he always tells you you're not saved when you are. He's a liar. He's a liar. I found out he's a liar. I have found out, amen, even more so recently that before you start to think something and jump to a conclusion and assume something, make sure you know all the details. Come on now. Because he'll drop a thought in your mind about somebody and you'll already be ready to pounce on them. But then you find out something else that it wasn't that that way at all. Amen. The devil wants to destroy relationships. Let me tell you something, church, in this house. From one end of this uh, world to the other end, Satan is set out to divide and destroy relationships in the church, in pastors, in marriages, everywhere he's doing everything to try to destroy relationships but me and my, my son Cameron we were talking the other day and he said dad he said we're living at this place it's everything to keep your heart pure I said I know he's coming without all stops he's come in like a flood but I can tell you if we'll stay before God amen the witness of the spirit of God and the life of God will come out and we won't begin to give in to those imaginations. And the thoughts that tells you, Leave your wife, leave your husband, you can get better. You better be careful. You may make that decision and they may get better and you may not. Look, church, I pray. I seek God. I know many of you, most of you do in here too. But as a shepherd, I have a shepherd's point of view. And I know exactly what people think because God puts it in my heart. He doesn't tell me who. He just says, this is how people feel or a certain amount of people. They're ready to just go. I'm going to tell you, you better hold on to what you've got. Amen. Amen. You better hold on to what you've got. You got a whole lot more to work with than you realize, Amen. Especially if they're sitting in the church with you today, you got something to work with. You got somebody that at least wants to come to the house of God with you. You got somebody that at least wants to pray. Well, they may not be everything that you want them to be, but neither are you, Amen. That ain't even part of my message, but listen, the beauty, the beauty of salvation and the power of our resurrected Savior and what they saw, the priest. The, the Sadducees, the keepers of the temple, what they saw they could not deny. They could not refute. They, it left them speechless. And it caused the priests to take notice of men, powerful men that otherwise would have been disregarded. They, can you think about that for just a second? You get born again and all of a sudden you got street cred. Come on now. People get saved and born again, and God begins to change their life. I'm not saying right away, but over a period of time, people go, you know what? I can see a serious change in their life. I see a great change in their life. They're not the same person that they used to be. And all of a sudden, somebody that you wouldn't have nothing to do with, now you're saying, you know what? Christ is in them. I was at the uh, at the uh, uh, restaurant one time with Gilbert and Patty. We were there, we were eating, and somebody came in and 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 they came up. They're talking to Gilbert, and it was a friend of his from the past. and And I, I just remember he walked away, and and Gilbert said, "God save that guy." <laughs> he saved him. I said, wow, praise God. He said, yeah. He said, at one time, he wanted nothing to do with God, He this and that. He said, but he got born again. He said, I can tell you, he got born again. You know, and he said, he, he's, he's not the same person. You have this respect. Uh, uh, people begin to watch and notice there's been a change in your life. Amen. All of that being said, it caused the priests to take notice of men, powerful men that otherwise would have been disregarded. They're nothing but a bunch of fishermen. They're nothing but a bunch of shepherds. They called them ignorant and unlearned. Can you imagine that? Yet these 13 men did more to change a world than all of Jerusalem at that time. Just a handful of people turned the world upside down. These men except for one doctor and one intellect were ignorant and unlearned. But look at the map of the world and see the impact of their lives and ministry. How far reaching that they were. So it doesn't matter what you have up here as far as worldly knowledge and education. What matters is that you know Jesus and you have a knowledge of Christ. Are you hearing me? The Bible says that 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 they took note of that, and 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 they they noticed that we got a problem. There's something powerful going on here, something powerful. And I I didn't even bring this out, but I remember there was another point in the in the Book of Acts where Gamaliel said, "Look, you guys can come against them, but if it's God, you can't stop it. There's nothing that you're going to be able to do. Nothing's going to stop it." I assure you that. Now why were they the most valuable men? They were not uh, unlearned and ignorant about the Savior. Because the Bible says in verse 10 that they took notice of them. He said in verse 10, Be it known unto you... Yeah, I'm in the right place here. Praise God. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified... Whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole and uh, and he said uh, that that we were witnesses of that the scripture shares with us that they were witnesses of that they were witnesses of his resurrection and I believe it's over in the other uh, it's over in another place amen but we 'll get there in just a second. Praise the Lord. But the Bible says that they were not ignorant and unlearned men. They knew about the Savior. They had been with the Savior. They knew that He had died. He had rose. They knew the power of a resurrected Savior and the message that is preached that changes lives. They knew that. It didn't matter that they didn't have a degree in theology. Everybody says, what Bible school should I go to? I said the one the Apostle Paul went to. Oh. You're one of those self proclaimed. I said, I never self proclaimed myself anything. I just started preaching and people came. I just started preaching and people came. I had a message burning down deep in my heart. And, and at the end of 99, a whole season of praying and fasting, and I just started preaching and ministering. And just, I told Angela, I said, I don't care if I stand up there on the corner with my Martin guitar, and I sing, and I sing. The only two Spanish songs I knew, amen, were, were Oimasque Nunca Senor. Okay, that was number one. And and Dad Gracias, that was the other one. But I said, I'll sing them till I'm blue in the face. And I'll sing the English ones. And I but I I said, I'll grab my guitar and preach on the corner. I don't care. I knew God put down deep within me to preach this gospel, go into the streets. And that's what we did. And signs and wonders follows. Signs and wonders follow those that believe. We saw people demon-possessed set free. God set them free. We saw people healed we saw people saved we saw drug addicts come off the street and be delivered in one altar call that's the power of God you can't stop that that's a fire of the Holy Ghost that's so powerful it's so energizing but the the Bible says that they knew that they'd been with Jesus so they were not ignorant and unlearned about the Savior that is the single most important thing you can know Jesus Jesus they had been with Jesus the greatest thing that could be said of us is that we've been with Jesus the word needs the world rather needs people who've been with Jesus many know science but they don't know the Savior many know math but they don't know the master are you hearing me many know about space but they don't know about grace And you know, I'm just going to tell you right now, Elon Musk shot up one of them things and it came right back down. So he's still got a lot to learn. I'm glad he owns Twitter, and not Facebook, so he can't cut me off. (laughs) I think he's a very smart man, a very intelligent man. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus is all we need. People know a lot of things about a lot of things. There's many that know about politics, but few know about God's plans. They don't have any answers for the day that we're living in. You can't throw money at a situation. That's what our government has done. Just throw money at it. Just throw money at it and think that it's going to go away. Our own governor has, has spent, uh, assigned for billions of dollars for mental hospitals because the mental. You know, uh, health crisis is just, it's absolutely exploded. And they don't have an answer. I can tell you Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. Many know about psychology, but few know who solves all problems. One day I was reading, and I preached it before, and I'll preach it again one day. But Jesus was the only one that could open that scroll. He's the only one that had the answer to all prophetic things of all time. It's all right there in Revelation 5. He's the only one. John wept and he said, Who can open the scroll? Only the one that died and paid for the authority to be able to do that. He's the only one. So psychology may teach you things that will cause you to manipulate situations, but only God can give you the answer for your life. Only God. I remember having people at my job and they would just, you know, there was always so much fighting and competition and all of this stuff. And, and, and I would just go in and, I, you know, nobody ever wants to take responsibility for anything. You know, if you're on the job and something happens, like, not my fault. I didn't do it. But I would have, if it was my fault, I would say, you know what? I messed up. Everybody's like, everybody's getting quiet in the room waiting for me to get fired. I said, I messed up. I should have done this, this, and this, and I didn't. So the breakdown falls upon my lap at my doorstep, and I'm sorry. I apologize that all of this happened. You know, there was something in my boss that, there was something about that that was attractive to her. She was like, you know what? This is the thing. I know that you're not lying to me. I know I can trust you and you're willing to take responsibility. And there were times I had to go and say, look, I did this. And she'd be like, okay, we can fix this. We can cover this. We can, we can, we can smooth this out. This is not you know something that is catastrophic. We don't have a part up in space that is too late to bring it down and fix it. It's in the parking lot, so we can fix it. But God gave me grace. All I can tell you is we're living in a time we're living in a time where you know everybody you know thinks that 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 psychology is the answer or they can lean upon their own understanding. I can assure you this there's there's something about being a Christian, a real true blue Christian, that that the Spirit of God uses you in a way to just show the character of God, and it absolutely baffles people. I told my pastor one time, I said, I went to that person, and I asked him to forgive me. I told him I was sorry. And I said, they just had this look on their face. They're a Christian. They had this look on their face. He said, because a lot of people don't do that, Jonathan. They don't go and do that in- Humility. They don't go to somebody and say, Forgive me. I'm sorry. I messed up. He said, Everybody wants to hold on to their pride and their spiritual piety. He said, But the, the, he said, God gives grace to those that are humble. He exalts you whenever you begin to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he said, That is foreign to a lot of Christian people, even though it's right there all throughout the Bible. He said, It's something, it's powerful. When you go up to somebody, they're out of gas there's nothing they can say you just defused the whole warfare the whole war is over because you just surrendered and fell on your own sword and said I'm sorry forgive me sure they try well you know they think they're being the martyr now I said no they did what they're supposed to do now you need to do what you're supposed to do and let there be healing and restoration and go on. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Isn't God so good? All of this was a mystery to the priests, these men. These uneducated, uncultured, unvalued fishermen. But suddenly there was now several powerful public speakers. Can you imagine that? They went from somebody that was what was considered a low life in the world to somebody that now is preaching the gospel i said what do we do with these people what do we what do we do with them they became public speakers and preachers the mystery to me is what god can do with one who is completely surrendered unto him <laughs> i've had people say i I knew there was a God when I saw God save that person. They made a believer out of me. And the change that has come, they used to be this hard, rigid, you know, intimidating person. They get born again, and you found out that they weren't nothing but a teddy bear in the hands of God. Amen. Amen was somebody said something to me they said when I saw your son you know that mustache and beard and all that stuff you know riding a Harley I said oh I said he sees homeless people on the street and weeps amen I said that's his heart I said you don't know you don't know him like I know him I said he's got a heart that's soft pliable he loves God. I said, don't let that, you know, that red hair and that red beard and that, that Harley, you know, intimidate you. I said, he, 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 he loves people. You don't judge a book by its cover. Amen. Amen. And, 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 and he ain't even got no tattoos. Amen. And he ain't going to get any either. Amen. His belt. (laughs) Hey, the mystery is what God can do with one who is completely surrendered unto Him. One powerful truth to notice. As they knew the source of their power was the resurrected Christ. Let me read a portion of scripture here to you. Acts chapter 3, just one page over. Turn there while I take a drink of water. Acts chapter 3 verse 9. It says, And all the people saw him, who? The man that was laying at the beautiful gate crippled, that got healed. When Peter and John came walking upon him, and he said, Alms for the poor. And they said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. Rise up and walk. And he rose up, and he was healed, and he walked, Healed by the power of God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, and all the people ran together unto them to the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering, and when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people. Let me tell you, whenever you got a crowd and an audience, you better preach. We have a crowd and I was sitting across the table from somebody yesterday at a business just talking to them and sharing with them about how the church started and the more I talked the more they were interested and they were asking questions and I said do you go to church? Well I did and my family stopped about 10 or 12 years ago Well, I'm just looking across the table and I thought Lord I am ministering in a way that I didn't even realize I was ministering and here I am talking to him and he He says, well, what do you think about the river Euphrates drying up? I said, you know what? It's in the Bible. I said, it's very much in the Bible. I said, we're living in the end times. And I said, we need to get on the ark. We need to get on the ark. We need to get right with God because the Lord is coming back in the twinkling of an eye. The trump of God's going to sound, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up to meet him in the air. I said, now's the time to run to God, not run from God. Yeah. But I said uh, all of this to him, and Peter, when he had an audience in verse 12, saw it, and he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? He said it wasn't a power of us, is a power of God that's the problem with a lot of preachers today they think it's there it's them it's not them it's the power of God it's the power of God and the God of Abraham and of Isaac and Jacob and the God of our fathers has glorified his son Jesus who you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go but you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murder to be granted unto you which was Barabbas and killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses we saw him raised from the dead we saw him dead we saw him and we saw him raised from the dead we saw the scars in his hands and his feet we saw the the spear uh, in his side where he had been pierced the piercing, the wound in his side it'll come to me and but he goes on to say And his name through faith in his name has made this man strong who you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. It's not your faith to come to God. It's the faith he gives you in the message that we preach. The gospel is Jesus See, this is why you have to be very careful not to sell people on the benefits of salvation and not knowing the Savior personally in relationship. Because everybody wants health, wealth, and prosperity. And if you don't, then I don't know what's wrong with you. But everybody wants the blessings that come. And what happens is people sell people on that rather than the gospel. He died for your sins. You are a sinner, and you need salvation, and Jesus is the answer. Not the benefits. The benefits will come. The blessings will come. All of that will come. I saw a woman saved, healed, filled with the Holy Ghost. She ran around the building. She was, I mean, she got the whole package in one service. Everything. I got saved, delivered, and several weeks later I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I didn't ever understand healing till I was, I don't know, 2006, whenever I fell off a ladder. Then I experienced the healing because my situation warranted it. But I know that He, uh, through faith, And it's here in the scripture, the faith which is by him, Christ, hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I would that through ignorance you did it as did also your rulers. So it's not the disciples that are ignorant. It was the ignorance of the people that didn't realize who Jesus was. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. So he gives them the message, Repent ye therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you. How does this apply to us? The most valuable people on the earth is redeemed people that take the message and the witness of Christ to a lost world. That's who the devil's going to hate. He hates us all, but he's going to... I can tell you, when you start making a move towards God and doing something for the kingdom of God, God starts moving in your life. You start praying and you see God do miracles and do things. I can tell you, the devil comes to try to absolutely destroy that. I can tell you, keep on holding on. Keep on holding on. Keep on hanging on. Don't don't quit. Are you hearing me? Don't quit. Just keep on plugging away. Uh, But how does it apply to us in this generation, this last day's generation, where evil is mutating? It's mutating. Sin is mutating. Lawlessness abounds. I heard that the LBGTQ community is now taking the side of the Palestinians. Now look, church, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to tell you right now, I told you in the beginning, evil unifies with evil. say, well, what about all the people that I know? There's probably some people that think that, but I'm going to tell you right now, church, the the attack upon Israel that came, upon their citizens that were there, and the absolute attack, the savage attack that came, anybody in their right mind would respond. Anybody. And they did respond. And they did what they should have done. They did what we've done. In the past, I'm not saying that there have not been wars that were unwarranted or were unnecessary and there were things that happened that shouldn't have happened. I'm not saying that, but what I am telling you is this. I've read the Word of God and I know what it talks about concerning Jerusalem and Israel and God's timepiece, prophetic timepiece, and it is Israel. It is Israel. And so the whole world is going to come against them. And we're starting to see a culmination of that around the globe. And you're going to see people's uh, patience, you know, because of their, their, their response. They're not going to like their response. They wanted to go over there and just slap them. I'm going to tell you right now, you have to deal with it head on because it's not going away. And so... All I can tell you is this evil is mutating sin is mutating lawlessness abounds darkness is getting darker and hell the hell's pit is deeper it seems deeper and deeper and darker and darker There's only one remedy and it's Christ the cross the power of the blood and his spirit And this all through a vehicle called the church that's been with Jesus. Never forget what Paul said would be the restraint to a total give up to an antichrist world leader in spirit and system. He said, he that will let, will let. So he's taken out of the way. The Holy Ghost filled, the Holy Spirit filled church, the spirit of God in the people of God are a restrainer in this world. We pray for our community, and I can tell you our cops, our police, our citizens, I can tell you are saved and sheltered and kept from things that could be worse than what they are. Where there's a people that are praying and believing God for their community. Somebody asked me, what do you do for the community? I said, we pray for them. We pray for them. We minister to the homeless. We go to the jails. I said, we've got some that go and minister to the sex traffic and sex exploited girls. I said, we've got youth, youth ministry, young adults ministry. We've got children's ministry. We're training them up in our Sunday school and in our children's church. We've even got a special needs class for our, you know, special kids that come in here. We want to make sure that their parents can be in the house of God. I thank God for everybody that's serving in this church. People have really stepped up honestly, you really have stepped up and stepped into positions and working and laboring and serving and that's a beautiful thing but we can always do more, and we should be preaching and ministering everywhere we go, but there's going to come a day when an antichrist is, uh, is going to come on the scene, and I can tell you when the church is gone, when the Spirit of God is gone, he's going to have free reign, and then the world's really going to see what it is to have evil unleashed at with no restraint whatsoever. This tells us how valuable and powerful the church is. The Spirit-filled churches, even if the world calls us ignorant, go ahead. We're not ignorant. We're not ignorant because the people that you couldn't help came into an altar and we cast the devil out of them or we preached the gospel to them and they got freed from oppression, from addictions, from perversion, and everything else. God set them free. God put marriages back together. God heals he saves. He gives children that were suicidal a right mind. A brand new mind. So, because even a fool can see by the shape we're in in this world that it's about to fall. Amen. It's about to fall. The disciples and ourselves have an eternal edge. We are not ignorant or unlearned about salvation. Think about salvation for a moment. It's a very important and used word. Noah knew The ark meant salvation while other people perished because they didn't get on the ark. To Israel, God said, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord whenever Moses was standing at the Red Sea. Today, people are trapped by problems and perplexed, and we have their answer it's Jesus. It has to constantly be preached so that we're, it's ever on our lips and ever in our mind to go and to minister. God gives us the remedy to get rid of sin. It's dominion and oppression. It's through the blood of Jesus. And I'm even going to say this. This is just a side personal note, because I have felt in the last several weeks, especially this, the last several weeks, just a real difficulty To really break through in prayer. Maybe you haven't, but I'm telling you that I have. I have broke through. I have broke through, but the Lord's like, you gotta stay here a little longer. You gotta stay here until my presence is poured out upon you. And I've found, you know, just the 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 feeling of just almost like the absence of god but i said lord i know you're here and i know your presence is is here i know you're standing right beside me my faith is not wavering because i'm not i'm not you know walking by sight i'm not walking even by my feelings or by anything except by faith i'm standing upon your word but, Lord, I'm going through a time where it just seems like it's so hard to break through. It's so hard to get there. And he said, this is going to be the thing that you're going to watch people fall by the wayside. Because they're going to say, I just give up. You know, where is God? I'm going to tell you, you got to hold on to your faith and, and lay hold upon eternal life. you got to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Fight the good fight of faith. Because there's going to be times when you're not going to feel God. There's going to be times when you're going to enter into worship. You're not going to feel His presence. There have been times I've come in here and I've watched people in the front aisle weep and cry and be in that altar and be touched by God. And I sat up there dry, dry, dry. And I said, Lord, here I am sitting here. And He said, I'm still using you. He said, I'm still using you. He said, you said from your own lips in prayer that you're going to serve me no matter what you feel or no matter what you see or no matter what you go. you're just going to keep on keeping on he said you cannot be moved by what you're not feeling you have to stay the course stay before me keep praying I will show up amen I will bring revival he said in his word they that wait upon the Lord I quote it all the time they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint amen just hold on hold on hold on Hold on. You've got to know today, church, He will follow through. He will come through. He will pour out His Spirit. He will rain upon your desert. (laughs) We have the answer. Jesus is the answer. God gives us the remedy to get rid of sin, dominion, oppression, and even that attack that comes that tells you God is dead and he's left you. He's not. He's not. Almighty God, just remember this. Just remember this. Sometimes it seems like all we're doing is peeking through a little hole, a not hole, in the fence. And you see things a certain way. But what you don't see, maybe all you see is white. You see, I'm peeking through that hole and all I see is white. But on the other side of that fence, there's a whole marching band. And they're marching. And they got red shirts on and white pants. And they're marching. And they're marching along. You cannot Go and be moved by what you see or what you feel or what you don't see. Just hold on. Amen. Hold on. He said those that endure unto the end shall be saved. Hold on to that faith. Hold on to the absolute word of God because you're going to go through times of plenty, times of mountaintop and times in the valley. But hold on church. Hold on. It's the greatest test of the hour to see if you're going to hold on. Are you going to continue in this thing? Are you going to? But church, he tells us how to overcome these things. He tells us how to get to heaven. How valuable are you? Very much so in the eyes of God. In the eyes of God, how valuable was Ananias? Ask the apostle Paul. How valuable was Peter? Ask Cornelius. How valuable was Paul? Ask Lydia or the jailer or many others that he ministered to. Or ask the men that were on the ship. At the very end of the book of Acts, and when the Euroculodon storm came up, they were thankful and valued Paul. They valued Paul. How valuable was Philip? Asked the Ethiopian eunuch. How valuable was the little maiden? Asked Naaman the Leper, who went down in the water seven times because she knew somebody that knew somebody that knew what to do for Naaman the leper. You've got to know your life is valuable, your presence is valuable the knowledge of God that you have is valuable how valuable is Naomi ask Ruth or I should say how valuable was Ruth ask Naomi other way around I'm allowed one mistake I cry as I think about all who were instrumental in coming in my coming to Christ the true love and the Holy Spirit upon people In my life, Judy Justice, Debbie, Colby, Martha Miller, Sue Johnson, Brother Don Dennis, my pastor, who I got saved under. Doesn't even seem like much to them, but it means so much to me. Think about it. One encounter with Jesus, the Samaritan woman was never the same. One encounter with Jesus, Zacchaeus, was never the same. God knows how through his son to stop in the midst of a crowd that everybody's thronging him and look up and say, Zacchaeus, come on down here, son. I'm coming to your house today. There have been times the Lord just blessed me, and I thought, Lord, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve anything that you do for me. And he said, today I just wanted to pour my love out upon you. There have been times I've had dryness in my prayer life. There have been times I've went in that prayer closet and the Holy Spirit met me. And God said, just remember this. There comes a point in time when as you pursue me and the pursuer keeps pursuing, that finally he that is being pursued turns and he begins to pursue you. And he pours out his Spirit upon you. Can you imagine how Job felt, losing everything, living at those times? And he said, but though he slays me, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. So many lives depend on what we do. So many lives depend on what we do. We need to be the greatest threat to the enemy by sharing the gospel everywhere we go. Jesus is the answer. I've said this, I'm on close. Jesus is the answer for salvation. The remedy. But he makes it very clear. His church is the answer to the world. A Holy Ghost filled church with the message of the gospel is the answer. What is that to you and I? What are we doing with what God has done in us? Who is being impacted and affected by the gospel from our life? Paul called it his gospel because I can tell you, you and I are walking epistles. There's not four Gospels, there's five. I've said it before. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Kyle. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Kevin. Because some people will never pick up the Bible. You're the only Bible they will ever see and know. Jesus. Lord, let us be an example of you. Today, those of us that know God, we must know that we are his vessels. So what manner of person ought we to be? They took note that they had been with Jesus. So we must saturate our minds with the word, stay in prayer, stay before the Lord. And God will use us to change a world for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Would you bow your heads in prayer this morning?